Welcome to episode 139 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with SACOM trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all of the podcast players by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. Today's episode, we're continuing to recognize the 10-year anniversary of PsychArmor by featuring a conversation with PsychArmor CEO, Dr. Tina Atherall. Dr. Atherall is a nationally recognized leader of a public health ed tech nonprofit educating and advocating for critical support of those who have served and their families. Find out more about Tina by checking out her bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So longtime listeners know that I usually start out providing an opportunity for guests to share a bit about themselves, but this is like the third or fourth time that you've been on the show. So folks can go back and listen to that. The links to the previous shows will be in the show notes. So congratulations on 10 years for PsychArmor. There are social media platforms that are younger than PsychArmor, but celebrating 10 years of providing education to those who support the military and veteran population. That's huge. Yay. I know. It's exciting. And I'm also thinking to myself, wow, I've been at an organization now five years. So half of that existence of the organization, which is even crazier for me. But yeah, 10 years marks a really important part, I think, just in an organization's growth. And it says a lot that PsychArmor not only is still here, but it's here, it's relevant, and it continues to grow. That's the most exciting part about these milestones, I believe. Yeah, I do too. This is, as we were talking, this is coming after Marjorie Morrison's episode. So sort of where the psych armor started uh, and really the goal was helping people learn how to engage with the military and veteran community. And you've done that, you know, in a number of different ways with peers and providers and all that other stuff. The mission, the goal from 10 years ago is still very relevant with what's going on today. So that validates our mission. Interestingly, we've been working about two years, now probably three years, on the rebranding and remessaging and vision statement, mission statement, all those things that are that are really required of us as an organization and our board leadership. And we're not far from where we were in the beginning. Language is everything. So you and I have had tons of discussions around what does this bridging the divide mean? And so from a, many of those thoughts around, do we really want to conceptualize a bridge. That's why we don't use that phrase anymore. But where Marjorie started in the board of directors in the past, we are still committed intensely around helping a nation who cares about its military veterans and families effectively engage and have meaningful and true connections. And we believe that education and training does that. No different than the beginning. And it's new people over and over again, which is Great, right? It's not the same people. We didn't just keep reiterating it to new people are coming in every day to learn. So still relevant. That's the most powerful thing. And I think it's powerful for the people who are learning, but it's also powerful for the veterans who are engaging with people. Like 
We all know how frustrating it is for a veteran to have to stop and explain their acronyms or explain their concepts or explain their... I actually had a colleague recently who took the 15th. She was not in the military. It didn't have military connection. And she took the 15 things veterans want you to know. And she asked me, a combat veteran, she was like, it was surprising to me that people had to be told, don't ask anyone, have you ever killed anybody? And she was like, yeah. she was shocked. And I was like, uh, yeah, that, and I shared her some examples where that exact thing happened in a very inappropriate. And so I think it's very valuable, not just for the learners that you are supporting, but also the people that the veterans, the service members, veterans, families, caregivers that they're engaging with. So let's add on to this, this whole conversation around health equity, which is known for you and I, right, as practitioners or working in behavioral health or healthcare, health equities, a lens in which we're always looking at who has access to care. If they don't have access to care, why and how do we reduce those inequities or disparities? And now we know historically that's that continually is a problem. And for our military and veteran community, that exists also around who is sitting at the table and what has been fascinating for me of late is when looking at the 15 things veterans want you to know, many have asked who was at the table when those questions were answered, right? And how long ago did we ask that question? Do we believe that everyone responded? And so some of the things that have come up in conversation around 15 things is now that more women are not only sitting at the table, they're identifying themselves, they're seeing themselves in service. Now they're having the opportunity to sit at the table. I have watched in some of the same circles that you and I are in, their veteran counterparts, their peers saying, I didn't realize that was your experience. Mm -hmm. Wait, that's what that looked like for you? That didn't look like that for me. Mm -hmm. So through developing our product, which is 15 things as cultural awareness, and being mindful of health equity, which is a mandate for you and I based on who we serve, we've now elevated to this next line of veterans being able to have more engaging conversations around their own individual experience and where they might have missed that their friends, their peers, their loved ones had a difference. So here's the most profound for me. We are finishing up. Dr. Kraft is doing a, an engaging conversation at National University, and this wonderful woman takes the mic and asks that question. When did you last ask these questions and who is at the table? And we thought perhaps she was asking this through the university's lens, like what would the university students want us to know and might we, might we want our own iteration of this course? And we walked up to her afterwards and asked, like, why were you asking that question? And it was very personal. It was even in her own dual military family. Her own family didn't see her in service as they mm -hmm. did her loved one, her partner, her male partner. And she had often not told her own story. And so it was very powerful for her to think about her 15 things, though probably are very similar, to be able to have the opportunity to answer that question was very important for her. So that's a big launch. We're going to redo 15 things. We're going to ask the question in 2024. And I think that's going to be really interesting because we'll also be very targeted to make sure that all voices are at the table. And I think that goes back to what you said earlier is education is the way to do that. Developing education content, but also sharing this educational content. You are a teacher. You are a professor. Like that is literally one of the things that you do. 
And this is one of the things that SciCommerce has been very deliberate about is developing content, education for courses, different learning styles, different learning perspectives, just like you were talking about. Yes. And that looks completely different, right? Like, so before even maybe by mandates around what is a CEU eligible for, for credits, we're spending a lot of time consulting professionals to say, and this is going in a different direction than really what you're asking, but we're, we're consulting to say, this is great. We need these CEUs. But by the way, we've learned a lot over the last 10 years and our learners are adult learners. And we really can only have content that's about two and a half minutes long. Or we're not going to get them. And, and we probably have to stop and have a conversation and talk about it and make sure that we're all under the same understanding or take a break, ask a question, test it, and then let's keep going forward. That being one. The second is exactly behind the mission. This was your vision. You said, and I always do this to you and I mean to do this because you'll never talk about yourself, but you challenged us to say- That's okay. I'll edit comes. this part out anyway. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, you won't. But- so in the different ways that people learn. So yes, what have we learned through adult learning, the advancement in technology? We're very careful to say we are ed tech because we are. And it's our responsibility if we're going to be delivering online courses that we understand how do people engage. In the building of the courses, we make sure too that we use relevant storytelling application. And that is using artwork or drawing of the artwork versus just static photos. But the second to that is the other ways in which individuals learn, instead of just thinking it's the static course, adding this podcast, now going just about ready to hit into its third year, really, as you guys start to plan it, this has been the most engaging content. And it is it either starts the conversation for the person to go into the online learning in the traditional format, or it's at the end of that learning to help engage conversation. It's our challenge as an organization to make sure that we bundle it correctly. But that was... A, huge frame. And then the rest of it is what's in the future. I'm going to be a hologram someday. I'm sure <laughs> we're going to beam into the next future, but that's the advancement of it. I think I came on board 2019, 2020 was right behind me. We thought we were ahead. We still were because everything that we were doing was through a virtual platform. We weren't ahead in understanding really how you embed behavior change, not necessarily just over time. It's nudge learning, it's group work, it's all that other stuff that matters. So that is exciting because we couldn't have just continued to move forward in the next 10 years by just doing 20 minute videos, five minute videos, two and a half minute videos. Yeah. Lots of stuff to learn. And I think even as you were talking about before, um, as 15 things are evolving and not just the standard 15 things, but 15 things for diverse veteran populations, 15 things for caregivers, and a lot of this um, very broad content specifically focusing on different aspects of military and veteran population. One of the things that we've heard, I think nationally, definitely over the last couple of years is we don't want to put a burden on the people who have experienced trauma to teach others about their trauma. And I think that's really where a lot of the value is. Yes, some of these conversations that we've had is that a person can tell their stories one time in a safe and hopefully appropriate way. And then many people can access that, but you're not increasing the burden for people to, to talk about their suicide loss survivor journey. And I think the same thing with, with the content that you're talking about is you're able to gather a lot of this information, but you're not putting the burden on the individuals who are providing you the information to then do it over and over again. That's the on-demand portion of this. And I think that's a, the really amazing way that we're going to be sharing knowledge in the future. Yes. Well, we could even say fidelity of implementation. How many times, mm -hmm. even from that culture standpoint, did we watch 
um, people narrate their own what is military cultural competency. And although everyone's model is probably great, right? If we really want to say that we want to build some level of awareness about a population, whether it's our own that we care about or another, there does have to be some sort of consistency and agreement around what it is that you're putting out there and that true fidelity of implementation is everything for me. I like that people can create their own story around it from there, but you're right. They don't have to expose themselves at such extreme over and over and over again, because that is painful. And then we lose really great leaders because they're burnt out from having to do that. I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of times we're in the early days. And of course, the work that I do, primarily suicide prevention, we are still in a lot of the early days of this work. We're in the earliest days of supporting the global war on terror veteran generation. We're going to be doing that for the next 50 years. And I think that's really where a lot of this network that PsychArmor has built um, will be able to continue on into the future. And that is another thing that I've really valued about where PsychArmor is now and curious how it's going to go in the future is you've been very deliberate about building a network of organizations. You're not directly trying to provide peer support service or establish community coalitions. You partner with organizations that are trying to do those things. And I'm sure that's going to continue to be a significant part of what PsychArmor does in the future. It is. And I'll break this down to something just super simple. One, I love partnership. And that's one thing that I'll say, like, I'm getting more comfortable in saying as a leader, which I never would have done that before. But now I'm recognizing that it's not always so easy for some as others. And for you know, we all have our own personality styles. But I just have always thought, like, if it's somebody's doing that work, I just want to be their best friend and watch them do that work really well. And so Psych Armor has been a really good fit with that because everything that we put the content that we push out there is somebody else's masterpiece. And if we can help accelerate and scale that in a way that's meaningful, not only for their work, but in the way that we do our work and then others, like that's game on. But here was something that I thought about when we looked at the big ecosystem of military and veteran nonprofits, one that I know well and you know well, and it's really been where I've stayed professionally, is that when I came on board to Psych Armor, I thought as a nonprofit leader, I was good to go. And I knew this community. I, I knew education. And I felt very much like Marjorie on the other side to where she sat in that seat and didn't know what she didn't know. And I was like, sitting on that seat helping others know what they needed to know. So it was like a perfect alignment to come into this organization. And I'll watch my language, but I got slammed because I came into an ed tech organization learning LMSs and all of that. So why does that matter where partnerships matter? Because I started looking and I thought, wait a second, education and training and everything I've learned here is, is expensive. And all of my friends leading other organizations need our education and training, but they might not need it Psych Armor's way. They need it their way. So instead of having that organization have to build out the infrastructure that costs me millions of dollars a year, at the end of the day, my logic model, my mission, and I say this mine as the leader leading Psych Armor that I own and this part of responsibility is that we want the well-being of military connected people to be great. And all of our partners are doing that one way or another, and they need something that we know really well, then it that's a very valuable partnership for them. So how can we come in and do this powered by Psych Armor 
and help you scale and even go back to fidelity of implementation. Anytime anyone implements something new, there's training, especially if you're doing something evidence-based, and there's usually a training component. So how do we help you implement or scale your programs through education and training? And we'll be your experts so you don't have to build that infrastructure internally. And that little concept was very confusing in the first couple of years. But over the last few years, as there's been this need for a very particular niche around who knows technology and training, people are like, oh, go talk to PsychArmor. So the beauty is, unlike our name, PsychArmor, we're no longer seen as the mental health experts because that's not the only thing we do. We're known as education and training. Woo, thank goodness. And through a public health lens, not just a clinical lens. And that has been led by suicide prevention because we've said education and training fits in a public health approach, not just a clinical approach. I wish I could just say that we want to partner with people because we love everybody in our space. I looked at it from a business sense. I have something that's going to cost them a lot of money. Why have them have to spend that money on that if we can do it for them? And it'll cut everyone's costs and we get to stay in the lane that we know really well. So that was where some of the, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about it that way, but that's part of partnership for me is how do we help you do what you need to do better? Now, it's an interesting concept. And as you're talking, I'm thinking of an organization that needs that. And so they do it on the cheap because they don't have the million dollars, right? They use puppets and sticks, not to be dismissive, right? But they do it in a less effective way or they're training their, their staff or their team or their peers or whatever, nobody has come to them and said, there is a better way to do this and you don't have to do this on your own. And I think that's a really interesting concept is not to go in and say, you're not doing it well, but there's a way to improve. And it's already been done over here. This is sort of an off the shelf thing. You don't have to then create an internally owned process that it takes time and money and expertise we want you, like you said, to do what you do very well. Let us help you what you do very well. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes from, you know, some people go, well, is that mission creep? Like where, what, but wait, you, you do culture or whatever. This is the key component. It's a working within our ecosystem. What are you trying to do from an educate? Like the people that sit there to say, what's the problem that you're having and how does education or training help with that problem? do this a lot, even with corporations, as long as it's related to our military community, then we can help them say, oh, okay, we already actually have those courses for you. No problem white labeling them for you because everyone likes it to look like themselves. That's another lesson learned. If we sit at the point of solution and say, oh, but it's got to be psych armor, right? That's who we are. What do you want? They, they want themselves. So how can we help you turn what we've already had, by the way, philanthropic investments, which aren't we all in this for social impact, philanthropic, sponsorship, fee-for-service, but we are in the social impact business. So how do I use what I have to help you go further? And we'll help you make that look how you need it to look. What we won't let go of is what we believe in, and that is military culturally informed and sensitive in every way. It's painstaking in our own organization, how many times we look at a uniform and make sure that that uniform, you're involved in that, you know that. And is it trauma-informed? Is it language-informed? Is it sensitive in the way of just being a human being? We care deeply about that. We also know that that's what's important when you sit at a table and try to develop education and training. So the more that we can work with our partners in doing this, what I find often is it is our partners outside the well-known nonprofit 
entities within the military and veteran ecosystem. It is our healthcare partners. It is our employer partners. And we're now sitting there not saying, we know exactly what it is that you need. We sit and listen to what their problem is, and then we help them design what we have and what our skills are, and how then can we help you solve that problem, as long as it's around increasing quality of life and well-being of the military community. So we're having fun with that because I think we learn a lot too. We're not always building courses. Courses are hard to make and they take a year. So if we can sit with a team that has that asset already and just help them do it, great. That's what we want to do. And it's still a part of a partnership. And this is really just this idea of, again, it's a good time to look at your 10 years in, you've done a lot of yeah. good work. And at the same time, dialectics, right? There is a lot more good work to do. I am a fan of the concept called BHAG, the Big Hairy Audacious Goal. Jim Collins and Jerry Porras in their book, Built to Last. So if you were to think about Psych Armor years from now, what would your BHAG be for the organization? Yeah, so well, instead of just saying that we're our own institute with brick and mortar, that's so boring. So this is going to be reminding ourselves as a community, first of all, that we are a very specific population in the big scheme of globally, right? Individuals that have a unique need for service. So one, the military veteran, family, and caregiver population is still moving strong with infrastructure, with philanthropy, you know, within all of it. I hate to even put the label health and human services, but for Psych Armor, we're continuing to remind ourselves to have the conversation with the next group of people that are walking through the door, whether it's through their work or through their community about our unique community, continuing to be relevant and changing what that looks like. I'm fascinated to think about what the armed services look like 10 years from now. And I got that influence by talking to a really unique individual that has that job within one of our branches of service and thinking about who we're even recruiting for, for that branch of service. So for Psych Armor, it's that we also resemble and follow the lead of who our military community is in the future and that we're everywhere. And I say that to say what we just talked about, that powered by concept, is that we're still relevant that as a nonprofit. That's so important. We often forget that the reason why philanthropy or nonprofit organizations exist is because we're actually nimble and flexible and able to work with partners where other partners can't. Think about the difference between government and corporate. So I really want to see the existence of this line of work to still be within this community of military and veteran work and that we just continue to grow and that we are in the lead as with other populations. So I think of Khan Academy, like they are extraordinary, designed by engineers out of Silicon Valley. They're a global organization. That's who we should be. That's my BHAG. I want to be like that as it needs to be for our community. And that will look very different because, by the way, our partners need us to be global. Um, someone just reminded me yesterday that our military serves along a global force. So why mm -hmm. wouldn't we speak to the large culture of a global military? So that's exciting. And that's it. It's just still being here. That's really important. And two, looking as we need to from technology, from education, from the community, that we haven't just stayed as we are today. I like that idea of evolution and change because a lot of times we play to what we know, we play to our strengths. I realize that um, October of next year, I will have been out of the Army 10 years. 
it seems like yesterday and and yet it has been a decade and I don't know. They've changed uniforms probably twice by then. Like the military continues yeah. to change and evolve. And I think even from when I joined in the early nineties, I think it's why you have a 20 year sort of retirement because generations come and generations go. And this idea is this sharing education about the military and veteran community is going to continue to be relevant, but the content is going to need to be continually refreshed. Some of the core aspects are going to be the same. You're always going to be staying in formation out in the rain when you don't want to be. But then there's other things that are really going to be generationally specific. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if some of our cultural education actually inspired young ones? Instead of saying it's on the side of you need to understand this community, I often think like, wow, mm. if we're going to have a space force and an air force, it's like Star Trekian people. Like, of course that, right? Don't you want your kindergartners to know about that? So, yeah, I think that some of our place needs to even be well before, not to say that I want to get on the recruiting side of the house. That's not what I'm, you know, we've joked around Schoolhouse Rock, like Psych Armor wants to be back in the civic education game just because we believe so much that the military actually is a part of our democracy. So that would be a big, hairy, audacious goal right there is to not be on the other side of the transition line with community members, actually be helping to influence future generations to see this type of public service as an incredible lane of public service. And there's so much conversation around recruiting right now. That is actually not what's guiding this. It's just, how cool would that be? That is culture. Like we would love to be a part of that culture, influencing people on where they, where they could serve in the future. It would have really helped me. I would have served if somebody, and I was raised in service, but I didn't see myself in service because it didn't match me in the health and human service way. My gosh, if I would have met Dr. Heidi Kraft when I was a young girl, could you imagine? Absolutely. So you have said, so it shall be done. So you're writing it into existence. Um, we just made that up now. No, I think it's, but I, but it is, I think, very relevant, very appropriate, and, and very much in line with what we're trying to do. So thank you so much. If I can be so bold as to speak on behalf of the staff who I know appreciates your leadership. But really, this is here's to another 10 years. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Duane. Always wonderful to spend time with you. Once again, we'd like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. I think that was a great conversation that matches well with the previous episode with the founder of PsychArmor, Marjorie Morrison. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back to your podcast player, scroll just a tiny bit, and check that one out too. Also, Podcasters Lament, which I don't do often enough, admittedly. While you're on that podcast player, make sure to leave a rating or review or share the episodes with someone. All of these things helps others find the show. But Tina's vision of where Psychummer is now and where it's going to be in the future matches well with the vision of where Psychummer started 10 years ago. The goal is to help people learn. And as we know now, people learn things in a number of different ways. It's also interesting to know that sometimes we think we set out to do one thing, provide education and training, but then find out that we're doing a different thing, developing educational technology and learning management systems. The end goal is always in mind to support the military-affiliated population, but the vehicle that we think we're traveling in may not be the right one, and it's important to make shifts when you become aware of them. I know that we had a bit longer of a conversation, so just another short point here, and it might be one for your consideration. 
What is the purpose of education and training? Why do we do it? To gain new skills, to develop knowledge, to hear about something we didn't know before, or to develop and improve a skill that we didn't have. There are organizations throughout the world, from preschool to universities, that are trying to provide an answer to that question. But every once in a while, it can be good to ask the basic questions to ensure that we're on course with where we want to go. I enjoy learning new things about subjects that I'm passionate about, so I read, I listen to podcasts, I take courses and lessons to improve and grow. And regardless of what education and training looks like in the future, I probably will not be jumping on the holographic streaming home course bandwagon when that comes around. I'm sure that PsychArmor will continue to provide the content and support to continue to help you learn and grow in your passion to support service members, veterans, their families, and their caregivers. So I hope you appreciated my conversation with Tina. If you did, we'd appreciate hearing from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's Psychomer Resource of the Week, since we're talking about education, I thought that I would share a course on education, the VA Campus Toolkit. This course provides information that can explain characteristics of current student veterans, some of the common adjustment issues that are encountered, and a general explanation of invisible wounds of war and how they may affect the student. You can find a link to the course in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the Psychummer website, psychummer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with Psychummer on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psycharmor. Much appreciation to the team at Psycharmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator. Support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.